and welcome to the In The Pen Podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. This is a podcast about relievers. My name is Jake Crumpler, and as always, I'm joined by Pitcherless's bullpen expert, Rick Graham. Rick, it's been about two and a half weeks since we last recorded, maybe three weeks. How are you doing? How have you been doing? How are you feeling about the offseason for your favorite team, the Red Sox, thus far? Uh, it's been a whole lot of nothing, but not just for the Red Sox, but I feel like it's been pretty quiet in baseball and it's, um, it's a little, you know, un- uh, boring and unfortunate. I- I'd like to see some more, you know, obviously we have the big Otani move. And Don't sorry, remind me, please. I am, I am <laughs> thoughts and prayers to you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, like as a Red Sox fan, and we were kind of talking about this before we got on here, like the, the Giants and Red Sox kind of feel like. They're both just, you know, watching the Dodgers and Yankees, their two biggest rivals, get better. And mm-hmm. they're all talk. They're, they feel they're all talk. They're all they're in on all these people. They're allegedly, you know, they're in on Yamamoto. They were in on Otani, but it just doesn't, you know, they haven't been able to make that big splash yet. So still waiting. I mean, I think John Heyman was saying today that like, oh, the Sox are definitely going to make a big splash. I, 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 bet, I bet you they make a big splash. <laughs> They're running it's out like, of options. It's like, well, George, Jordan Montgomery is going to be the big splash. Like, come on. That's, that, that, I hope that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know how you feel because it, it feels like the Giants have been in on everybody, but at least we do have somewhat of a consolation prize in Jung Hoo Lee. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is fun. It, it's definitely fun, but it's, it's one that I'm sort of wary about, especially just given how little we know about the transitioning from Korea to right. MLB and just how little power I think he has. Mm-hmm. I sort of did a translation of his stats, just basically looking at what Ha Young Kim has done compared to his final year in KBO when he was like a 30, 30 guy. Um, and it came out to Jung Hoo Lee being like a 290 hitter with like seven home runs. And yeah. if, so I think it all comes down to how good his defense is. If he's able right. to stay in center field and be like a solid hitter who doesn't strike out a lot, like basically like Luis Arias with just like a little less contact ability, but playing in center field, I'm fine with that. But they, they did dole out a lot more money than I expected. Um, but yeah, it's been a, Interesting offseason. <laughs> that weekend when Otani signed was one of, one of the worst weekends of my life, um, <laughs> especially after the yeah. whole saga with the airplane and everything, because I, I woke up on, I think it was a Saturday or Sunday and just like, I think I, I, I sleep in on the weekends to like 1130 Pacific time. And so I woke up and maybe 10 minutes after being on my phone, I got the pass a notification that Otani had posted on his Instagram and I was like, oh, I got to right. see this for myself because at that, at that point it was, it was really hard to trust anything you read, even from passing. And I went and saw it and it was just immediately just awful. And yeah, luck, luckily uh, things are, are looking up now, but uh, the cycle really began again with all the deferred money that basically just said, Hey, the Dodgers can now sign another big guy for 300 million plus dollars or whatever. And yeah, it's been a terrible off season. One that I've sort of been secretly mentally preparing for because I don't know there there was so much speculation that and it, it made so much sense that he would go to the Dodgers but I, I think I've just right. been in denial for so long um have you finished your holiday shopping I'll say holiday shopping as a Jew uh so I have like 90 percent done um I I'm usually done by now but yeah there's a couple couple things I need to uh to figure out the before the week's over hopefully and yeah how about you what, what how's your your shopping going 
Yeah, I usually wait until the very last second. That's just sort of how I do everything yeah. in my life. So I'm a big procrastinator. Um, but the other day I spent like 30 minutes and I just bought like all the gifts I needed to buy. I just was like, I can't think about this too long. Like I know what I, like, people aren't going to really care too I much. Do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, I can never figure out what to get for my grandpa. He's a, he's a physicist. He's like almost 90 years old. Um, it, it just like, he doesn't need anything. It's like, what do you get for somebody right. that has everything? He doesn't need anything. I'm not going to get him something useless. I'm not going to get him like another book or whatever. It's not like I'm going to I was going to say a book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like I can yeah. get him a book about physics that's going to teach him anything, right? True. So, yeah. yeah, it's really hard to like come up with things in the past. I've got him like, he plays clarinet. So, I got him like a little like clarinet trinket type thing. But so like useless, especially like, I don't know, it feels weird to say this, but like at his age, like what kind of useless like mm. physical objects does he need you know so i don't know i, I was looking at a albert einstein bobblehead <laughs> there you go that's <laughs> something that that kind of tracks with it yeah the physicist and um, yeah, yeah i think that could work yeah so uh ho- hopefully that goes well you know we're less than a week away from mm. christmas coming up so we got to have all our presents locked in but this is not a podcast about christmas presents it's actually a podcast about relief pitchers so as always that's what we're going to talk about the rundown for the day we're going to talk about some news some uh hypotheticals on where some top free agents might end up and maybe some closer changes then we'll go over the transactions from the last two and a half plus weeks and then we'll look at the all mlb team awards for relievers and then we'll take a peek at the early nfbc adp to see where relievers are going off the board to see if that's something we can take advantage of or sort of provide some insight at this point as many people are probably wrapping up their initial rankings especially for nfbc sites and uh starting their their first drafts i know tgfbi is coming up in february so i I gotta i gotta get my stuff together so i can uh, uh do well in those in that draft um you ready to get into this Let's do it. All right. We'll start off with the news. As I mentioned, I I think we'll we'll start off at the top with Mason Miller as a potential closer in Oakland. This is one that sort of caught us by surprise when we were at first pitch Arizona. Uh, I think it was, was it Doug Dennis's board? Yeah. Doug and Greg Jewett. Yeah. Yeah. So it was some baseball HQ stuff and they, uh, they, they had suggested that maybe Mason Miller, this is a reliever recon, right? That's that's what they call it. Yes. That's that's Greg's. Yeah. Yeah. So they had, projected Mason Miller to be the closer. And that is not something either of us had considered. So when we saw, we were like, wow, could you imagine Mason Miller as the closer? He definitely has the stuff, but it seemed weird given that the A's are a team that is not looking to win. They are not looking to spend money and putting Mason Miller as the closer would be a move that maybe a ball club that's looking to win games would make. And also a ball club that isn't worried about arbitration costs. And as many knowledgeable baseball fans no, if you have a guy getting saves, their arbitration cost rises because those are, are really behind those hearings are really behind the times. Um, right. So, so it does seem really weird. Do you think this is actually a possibility, or do you think the A's are going to go with one of the many veterans that they have on their team? I still think that yeah, the relief role is definitely going to be that's definitely going to happen. I don't think he's going to be the. I don't. I don't know if I see him as like the closer. I feel like he might get. You know, I still think they're going to want him to work multiple innings. You know what I mean? I I think there's because they, you know, they talk about him still hopefully being a starter at some point. 
in the not too do, not too distant future. So I I feel like he's one of those guys who kind of works two or three innings at a time, maybe you know twice a week, maybe three times a week. Uh, I I think and we talk about the A's. I mean, obviously saves are going to be at a premium. Um, so yeah, I I I don't know. Like if you were to say. Over under twenty saves. I'm. I think I'm definitely taking the under. I don't <laughs> that's think it's, easy. Uh, it's an easy one, right? I mean, that's easy. Even if he starts the year, as the yeah. Year. But I mean, still, I mean, how many saves did Trevor May end up with last year? Probably not twenty. Did he end up with twenty? I, I think he did reach twenty. I thought he was. Yeah. I thought he was pretty solid. Let's see. Let's so, see. I mean, there there are saves there for he the twenty one. Twenty <laughs> twenty one. Okay, so like over under fifteen saves for Miller. I think I still might go under. Yeah, but that doesn't mean sure. that there's not value here, and especially where he's going right now, I still want to take a chance just because of how. I mean, if they do, if they were just like, you know, what we're gonna kind of transition him to Yohan Duran, like you know, there's huge upside in that. Um, so yeah, I I, I think I would um, still be in on him, especially doesn't seem like his ADP. It hasn't really moved. I don't know where he was going as a starter, um, potentially, but like it's he's still around like the two hundreds, and yeah, I'm just the upside there makes me you know want to take a chance. Yeah, it, I think the the parallel that I see is sort of what Spencer Strider was a couple years ago, where he started yeah. the year out of the bullpen, sort of surprisingly came out of nowhere and I don't think many people were tuned into him and he was a long reliever and then transitioned back into the rotation. So that was a way for them to limit his innings and also sort of see which role he can handle. Because I think if you put Mason Miller in the bullpen as a bulk guy, you can see how he handles multiple innings, multiple times through the order. Obviously you've seen that a lot in the minor leagues and even a little bit last year when he made his debut. But if he's not able to stay as like great as he is mul- across multiple innings, then maybe it's a guy who works better in a, in a one inning role. And then he ends up going down the Yonderan or Josh Hader esque yeah. path. But yeah, I, I think just with the, all the factors that play into this, mostly with the A's not looking to pay him a lot of money in the coming years, I think it's smart for them to likely use him as a, as a bulk guy and, and not rack up the save totals, especially like, I, I don't know at this point, He's got, uh, what, like four more years of control left. The A's are not going to be competing in four years. They may not, not even be in Las Vegas by then. Um, so if they are looking to trade him, I think you're getting the most value if he's a, a starter. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, the trade values have changed a lot for relievers and, and starters. So maybe if he was a lockdown closer by year four of his contract, you can get a lot for him. But I don't know. I think either way, like him becoming a starter is more valuable. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I think that's still, I think that really is the goal for them still that they hope he can be a starter by probably, you know, next year, 2026 at the latest. But um, it, it's, yeah, it's one of those situations where, you know, if he does, if he, if they do have him, you know, start closing out games this year and he's really good at it, it's like, well, do we want to fix something that's not broken? And a lot of teams, I'd be like, yeah, probably just keep them in that role. But with the A's, like you said, they're probably not going to be competitive for, it's going to be a, a while. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you don't really, you can really just, you know, do what's best for him, do what's best for, you know, the teams for, for trade value, if that's what it, what it is. So yeah, his role, I, I could really see it. You know, it's going to be like a day by day, week by week type thing. Um, yeah. 
with him, but it's still an interesting like piece that like I you know in like the Dynasty League I'm in. It's like I keep seeing his name and like I I want to kind of just see, just interested in where his career goes from here. It, it, like a worst case scenario, it's like I still think in worst case he's like a great close, a good yeah. closer. So it's um yeah, but for for this year it's it's probably you know. His his ADP seems a little bit low, but probably right at the end of the day with you know someone who's not going to get more than fifteen or so saves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the strict fantasy aspect of it is is really interesting because I think the upside isn't as high as like his potential would sh- suggest. Where it's like, yeah, in a couple of years he could be one of the best closers or one of the best starters in baseball. But I doubt that happens this year, just given the innings limit and the lack of wins or saves, whichever role he goes into. But the ability to maybe grab a few saves or grab a few wins while pitching to good ratios and great strikeouts, I think is really intriguing at that point in the draft, but I wouldn't expect him to be a league winner this next year. Um, But somebody that might have the possibility is Yuki Matsui, who is reportedly signing with the Padres. We're still unsure about that. There were some reports about it. It has not been confirmed yet. We talked about him a little bit in our last couple of podcasts as we were previewing the free agent class. He's a lefty. He's been really good in NPB and he would be going to a situation where a mm-hmm. team just lost their big lefty closer. And I wouldn't say that the guys currently in that bullpen, namely Ranger Suarez or Robert Suarez, excuse me, is going to be keeping him from, from getting saved. So if it's just him or Robert Suarez, I, I think Matsui's got a pretty good shot at taking over that closer role if the transition goes well. But that's a, that's a really interesting spot and sort of, I guess the main question is where do you think he ends up in the ADP? Because right now I don't even think he's being drafted. Yeah. He's going six fifty five. That's, <laughs> that's basically not drafted. Yeah. He's going to fly. I mean, I would have, it, it's, you know, I'm surprised even though I know it's, there's only a handful of teams where he could land that he's going to end up closing, but still it's kind of surprised how low it is probably just because he's a kind of an unknown asset at this point. But, with the Padres, I mean, I, I think he's. I think he gets the the leg up over Suarez there. So, yeah, I, I I don't know exactly. You know, between him or Mason Miller, I think if he signs with the Matsui signs with the the Padres, I, I think I'm going Matsui over him just because. Yeah, there, there's there's saves there. there. He's probably, you know, he's got only one other, you know, option behind him and that's Suarez who I think they prefer still in a setup role um, so yeah Matt Sui to the Padres that's the best case scenario for him and it's a good this is a good potential move for the Padres too if they're trying mm-hmm. to still be competitive yet stay under the luxury tax they they need to still add pieces because they've lost a lot and uh, Matt Sui's a good a good move for them yeah and he's sort of going under the radar because there are so many East Asian baseball players going off the board with Shohei Otani right. and Yamamoto and Imanaga and Jung-Hoo Lee that, and, and even Yariel Rodriguez coming over from NPB that there's, there's not much attention being paid to Yuki Matsui. And I think that's sort of a, a crime because he has been incredible the past three years in Japan, uh, 2021, 0.63 ERA. He only had 24 saves. Um, 
but then he was the the best closer in the league the, the past two years, 2022, 1.92 ERA, 32 saves. He had 83 strikeouts in 51 innings. And then in 2023, 2. or 1.57 ERA, excuse me, 39 saves and 72 strikeouts in 57 and a third innings. Those are legit numbers, even right. if you account for the transition from NPB to MLB. And he's only going to be 28 next year. And he's a left-hander who strikes out that amount of guys. I think he could be really legit. He's only five foot eight, which is mm. pretty crazy. Uh, I, I wonder like how hard he's throwing, but there, there may be a lot of deception there. I saw some videos of his curveball on Twitter, but I think he could be really legit. And if you're looking for a high upside guy, just because of the unknown factor that, that right. usually plays into upside picks like that, I, I think he's a really interesting choice. So if you are doing drafts before he's officially signed with the Padres, this may, this may be a pick that you can get well after pick 200, maybe even after pick 300, that ends up being one of the uh, league winners because he winds up being the closer in San Diego. Yeah, he's, um, I mean, despite his frame, it says he, he, he can touch, you know, 94, mid-90s with his fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, changeup and slider both have, you know, average to above average, you know, grades. So nothing special, but yeah, like, like, just um the, the the pure numbers from Japan are still impressive and yeah coming over being good new you know new to hitters hitters haven't seen him mm-hmm. so that 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 definitely plays a factor especially early on uh, as long as you know he is able to transition transition to the you know uh, the American game and the baseball over here and all that that we you know mm-hmm. we've we've seen guys struggle with in the past. Yes, and to transition from a possible future Padres closer to the previous Padres closer, Josh Hader is still the top reliever off the board as he has been all offseason. There have been few rumors around him, but it still looks like the Cubs, the Rangers, and the Dodgers might be the top candidates. Um, Maybe even the Angels, since they're always looking for pitching. I did some free agent predictions on my other podcast. I had Josh Hader going, where is he? Going to the Cubs for six years and 105 million so that he could set the uh, total contract value. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's a guy that cares about that, but I don't know at all. Um, (laughs) My, my, my co-host went for four years, 85, so he could set the AAV record. So I think Uh, we're both on the same page. Like, yeah, yeah, he wants to set a record of some sort, uh, sort of in the, in the same way that like, uh, was it Lindor that was trying to do that? Right. Yeah. He went one, yeah. one more than, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I think he fits well with the Cubs because they have Craig council there, there. So he'll get to have a reunion with his old manager. And I think, uh, they're, they're a team that could use a, a closer upgrade like that, especially after missing out on so many guys this off season. And, but the Rangers make a lot of sense too. I had them getting Robert Stevenson, but any closer upgrade works there. And the Dodgers, I mean, they are in on basically everybody. So it really would not surprise me. Do you have any inklings on, on where he might end up or if your feelings have changed in the past few weeks on what haters market might be? Um, I do. So it like, obviously the Dodgers are still looking to spend money and, they were in on Yamamoto and then they traded for glass now. And I'm not sure. I'm sure they're still, you know, interested in hater. I don't know if they're, if they would match whatever offers are out there, but I, I just have like a gut feeling that that's because like, that's the one, if we're looking at problems with the, the Dodgers, like they could probably add maybe another starter, but they, 
do they could definitely use another arm in the bullpen. It's it's solid one through eight, but not there, there isn't like Evan Phillips is awesome. I love Evan Phillips, but I don't know. Um, Hader just maybe brings another like dimension to that bullpen. And this is like a, a I don't know. I I feel like the Dodgers make the most sense right now. I think the Cubs are probably the team uh, ever. I think the Cubs or the Rangers should sign him. I think the Rangers are the team that should sign him. And I think the Cubs are the team that maybe makes almost too much sense that like it doesn't end up happening there because, sure. you know, there's all the, the, the team like they could use, uh, you know, Azalea was great last year, but they could use a closer. Uh, th- obviously, the council connection. But I don't I don't know. Something about me just seems like the Dodgers are still are going to are going to make a move like this. They're going to try to they're going to get the best, you know, overall player in Otani and, and then they're going to trade for one of the best starters and then they're going to sign one of the best closers and you know make a statement kind of yeah as long as they miss out on Yamamoto and then get Hader that's fine with me <laughs> but if they get them both I'm I'm going to be really struggling going into next oh, season man. Um, but it'll be all the more funny when the Dodgers are knocked out of the playoffs in the first round that's that's the only thing keeping me together at this point but those are the big three pieces of news at this point. Hopefully, as we get deeper into the offseason, we get more news right now. We're 100 days away from opening day, but we still have yet to find out where the top two relievers have gone and where a few other top relievers might end up. But after we get back from this quick break, we're going to discuss the transactions from the past few weeks here on In the Pen. And now a quick word from Factor Meals. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days, especially so if you're as bad of a cook as I am. Factor America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from 35 or more chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus, and more wholesome options. You'll have everything covered. Head to factormeals.com slash pen50, P-E-N-5-0, and use code pen50 to get 50% off. That's code pen50 at factormeals.com slash pen50 to get 50% off your factor meals. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham talking about relievers. We have discussed the top news stories from the past few weeks, and now we'll we'll transition into the top transactions from the past few weeks. I've got them all listed out, basically the the major ones, but there aren't many that are making waves fantasy-wise. We have a couple of relievers that ended up in situations where they're likely to at least be in the conversation for saves, but most of the guys are going to be not even setup relievers, mostly just middle relievers, which doesn't isn't too exciting for fantasy, but gives us an opportunity to talk about them and maybe their potential for becoming fantasy relevant. We'll start it off after ending the last conversation with the Dodgers. We'll start it off with them again as they signed Joe Kelly to a one-year $8 million deal. And I think both of us have been fans of Kelly for a while, 
because he's just got incredible stuff and he seems to be getting unlucky every single year. Obviously, if they did sign Josh Hader, Joe Kelly's nowhere near saves with uh, the likes of Bruce Dargraderall and Evan Phillips ahead of him already. But do you think Joe Kelly could be in the mix for saves? And if not, is he one of the top holds options just given the situation that he's in and how good he's been the past couple of years? Yeah, I, I think he's still, as far as my, uh, I'm not moving him in any holds rankings. I, it's a good, it's a good spot for him. I know, um, you know, well, he's been there before. Uh, he, it's not the White Sox, so yeah, I'm fine with Kelly being um, resigning with the Dodgers. And yeah, as of right now, I trust him over, you know, Trine and or Hudson, who came, both those guys coming back, you know, veterans who haven't who didn't pitch at all last year. So I'll, I'll, I'll take Kelly and um, Gratterall as the top two setup man there at the moment. But yeah, mm-hmm. if they, I'm sure they're going to add something else there and make it a little bit more interesting. But um, yeah, like I said, the bullpen is pretty solid. I mean, they got Vezia, they got, um, they lost Victor Gonzalez, but they still have, you know, some other, some other options there. So yeah, fun. yeah, I, I say it's like not, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty pretty good bullpen. I think Kelly, $8 million. Yeah, I think he's in line for some holds there. Yeah, he's he's really due for a year of good luck. Last year at a 2.47 x fifth, the year before 3.12, but the ERAs read out as 4.12 and 6.08 across mm-hmm. 2023 and 2022, respectively. Big strikeouts, big fastball, big curveball. Um, he's just great across the board. I, I think he could have a monster year even at the age of 36, but we'll see how that works out. Even still, he's not the top holds option in LA, but he could be a guy in deep holds leagues that gets a little bit of run on your roster. Moving on to our first trade, the Yankees traded Greg Weiser to the Red Sox. Very minor trade, but I wouldn't say the Red Sox bullpen is one that is super deep. So, while he likely won't be displacing Kenley Jansen as the closer and may not even make the opening day roster, this is a guy that I think could move up pretty quickly depending on how things shake out. Yeah, it's an interesting part of that Verdugo return. Um, very interesting piece that, yeah, I, I don't think he opens the year in the bullpen, but will absolutely have, you know, some some innings there this year. Um could be, yeah, he was a very, you know, when he first debuted with the Yankees, there was a lot of interest in, in him, and it's just, it hasn't really, didn't really work out. There wasn't enough consistency there, but um, mm-hmm. there, there there could be something here, especially the Red Sox bullpen is, you know, the back half of it is definitely questionable, so he, he could find, you know, a spot and stick, in the, stick there and potentially um, get some holds down the stretch. Yeah, his slider is really good, 90th percentile PLV, and he throws in the mid-90s. So that's uh, definitely a guy that could sneak up in terms of holds. The next signing we have is the Angels signing Luis Garcia, the right-handed reliever. There are three of them, so it is hard to figure out who's who. But when we're talking about relievers, there is no confusion. Uh, Luis Garcia previously pitched for the Padres, and he throws really hard, but he does not have great control. Um Now he lands in LA on the Anaheim side where they always have trouble finding pitching. And while this is another situation where he likely will not be getting saves with Carlos Estevez and even Ben Joyce ahead of him, 
he might be the next best option if Jose Soriano is unable to repeat his debut season. Luis Garcia might be the guy that they can trust the most there. Yeah, I, I kind of like the. I, I mean, he's not going to be it's an earth shattering move for them, but I kind of like the the um, the spot for him because even you know Joyce Joyce has a lot of concerns. It's the, the injuries, it's the command Soriano command issues last year, but obviously flashed. So now you just have Carlos Estevez in front of Garcia. I mean, they're very very deep leagues. There might be you know. A, a chance to take Garcia as the you know the hand the handcuffs essentially to to Estevez because you know it was a down year for Garcia last year but the slider still really good uh, sinker he throws a sinker at ninety seven ninety eight gets a ton of ground balls it's um, there's still an interesting profile here with Garcia the the strikeout rate last year went down to under twenty percent which is concerning but um. You know, I I still think they're you know it's 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 the one problem is it's the Angels. It's not a team. It's not like the Rays who can you know turn him into the stud reliever. Um, you know, the Angels have not been able to do that really or at all with any of their pitching. So there, there's there's some work ahead here, but there's an interesting profile of Garcia, even if you know at age thirty six. Did you stop talking? No, I was talking. Well, uh, I, I I was talking and then I stopped. It. <laughs> oh, <okay>. uh, <laughs> you can just jump back in. You, it, it stopped at uh, at age thirty six. That's where I stopped. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize that was the end of a sentence. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's the big thing is that he is getting somewhat old. I, I'm trying to figure out what changed uh it doesn't it seems like he just stopped throwing strikes with his slider which was already something he wasn't throwing for strikes but it fell under 50 percent. so maybe that's a big thing is he was unable to get his uh slider over for called strikes and so it really forced him to rely on swings and misses and chases and you know sometimes specialty yeah and and yeah as as a big ground ball guy pitch to contact guy and especially like at 36 he's been around long enough that teams have the scouting report on him so they know sort of what to look for and they know not to chase his stuff so if you if your team's able to stay disciplined and not chase his stuff then and he's not throwing strikes then that's probably going to lead to a drop in strikeouts but yeah he throws really hard and this is not a team with a deep bullpen we'll stay in the angels bullpen as they also signed adam simber who was I think he was DFA'd or not DFA'd. He was a uh, non-tendered by the Blue Jays. He's really funky. Last year, he was not good. But in previous years, he's actually been one of the most reliable relievers. And what I like most about him is his ability to just rack up the innings because he throws so slow. There were back-to-back seasons where he racked up over 70 appearances with over 70 innings pitched and a sub-3 ERA. Like I said, not a big strikeout guy because he throws so slow. But the funky delivery has allowed him to be a much better reliever. I think this past year, I don't, I don't know what happened, but he just stopped throwing strikes. And that, you know, when you're not striking guys out, you're not throwing strikes. It makes it pretty easy to barrel you up. But I, I think Adam Simber could be somebody that's interesting, but not really in a fantasy sense. No, he's probably, he might work his way into a holds um, role but I, you know i don't think they're banking on that especially given the the modest what is it 1.5 million compared to yeah. where 
Garcia's getting 4.25 and then they they def- they definitely like Joyce and Soriano as well. So mm-hmm. um interesting, yeah, interesting real life pitcher who who might have who definitely will have a bigger impact on the field than in fantasy. Yes. And now we'll move on to the Mets signings. They had a couple of signings. A smaller one in Michael Tonkin, who they signed for one year and one million away from the Braves. And then they also got Jorge Lopez for one year, $2 million. These guys are very different pitchers. Michael Tonkin, more of a long reliever guy who really doesn't have great underlying metrics, but had a semi-successful debut last year at the age of 34. Um, And then Jorge Lopez, a guy in the past who's had lots of potential but has only really attained it for like had a, a great, half a season see so had a great half a season and yeah still, um, yeah but he's still kicking around and the Mets bullpen is it's another like really shallow bullpen where it's like Jorge Lopez quickly locks into being like the third best setup man there behind Brooks Rayleigh and Drew Smith you might even be better than Drew Smith I mean I, right? I don't know Drew yeah it's it's um it's a very, very thin bullpen at the moment between, yeah, I mean, like Tonkin doesn't, ex- doesn't get, it doesn't get you excited. Lopez doesn't. Austin Adams, maybe if he's healthy for once. Um, yeah, it, it's still a very makeshift bullpen behind Rayleigh and Diaz. And I would still, I don't know what the Mets real plan is, but I still, I, I think they might still add, um, Maybe bring back Ottavino or something. Even that would just make it I think a little bit better. To trade, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, all these one-year contracts. Yeah. Um, so again, yeah, maybe bring back Ottavino on a one-year deal or something like that to to help out just a little bit more. But yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think either one any fantasy value, but um, they'll probably make the roster just given how thin that bullpen is at the moment. Yeah, I, I don't know what they could do to change Lopez to get him back to that half a season with the Orioles when he was really good. The swinging strike rate was basically the same as it was in 2022. So uh, there's no reason to suggest that his strikeout rate would plummet as much as it did down almost 6% from 24 to 18. Right. But I don't I don't know what it is. I, I, I think there's just been so much potential with his, his big fastball and his curveball, which is pretty decent at getting called strikes is 90th percentile CSW, but it, it just has never really all come together. And it just, it seems like one of those guys that you feel like should be better, but then you look at his numbers and you're right. like, oh, I felt like he was better than that. But it's like, it's funny. But, like I was like, remember when he was traded and like, people were like, what are the Orioles doing? They're actually competitive and like, they're getting rid of yeah. Jorge Lopez. And like, they, 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 they ended up getting, you know, Kate Povich, who's, a pretty good prospect and yet they got Yenny Cano out of it as well. Oh, so, it's like, so it's like, um, they actually did really good in that trade. Good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, they, they did a good job, you know, turning a half year asset, a half year, you know, stud into two, two good pieces for them in the future. Yes. Um, we'll move on to Chris Davinsky, who signed with the Rays one year, one million. He was, I think he was claimed by the team last year from the Angels. Uh, yeah. I think that was one of those when the Angels were trying to save a bunch of money, so they just started <laughs> DFAing everybody that made more than a million dollars. And Davinsky ended up with the Rays. I don't think anything comes of this. 
but you never know with the Rays. They always have that ability right. to take some random dude and make him one of the best relievers in baseball. And it's not like it would be totally out of the question. Davinsky had spurts last year where he was excellent. And it's not like that was the first time he's ever done that. When he debuted, I think in 2017, uh, he was really great and he was pretty solid in 2018 and 2019. He started falling back before injuries really took out the next few years of his career. But this is a guy that's shown previous stints of, of success and maybe in Tampa where they always just have random dudes come in there that he could uh, maybe put things back together. Right. I mean, it was obviously when he got he got to Tampa in late August, so small sample size, only nine games, but um two point oh eight ERA, you know, one point eight one whip, twenty seven percent K rate. Obviously Tampa Bay, you know, they saw something. Uh they wanted to keep him around for another year. So this is an interesting one to definitely file away, especially in in holds leagues. This could be um you know, someone who pans out because after Fairbanks and Adam, you know, you have Poche, which is, you know, he's coming off a career year. Does he, does he repeat? I don't know. Um, there's not a ton after that, you know, Andrew Kittredge coming back from injury last year was okay. Nothing special. Wasn't back to being the all-star he was in 2021. Um, you know, there, there's, there's definitely opportunities here for Davinsky. Um, so yeah, it's, it's someone to keep an eye on and, and holds leaks for sure. That's right. And then the defending World Series champion Texas Rangers signed Kirby Yates away from the Braves for one year and $4.5 million. This is a weird situation in that the Rangers do seem to have a locked-in closer with Jose LeClerc after he was used to close out the majority of their games during their 2023 playoff run. And they do have a pretty solid secondary sleeper option in Josh Spores. But Kirby Yates does have the most closing experience he was actually pretty solid last year with a 31.5% K rate and a 3.280 ERA. And he actually had more saves during the regular season than Jose LeClerc, which is pretty weird. Uh, but he joins that team and quickly becomes the number two or number three reliever in that bullpen, even at his advanced age. Do you think Kirby Yates has a shot at claiming that closer role? Let's say, hypothetically, the Rangers bullpen stays at his, as it is. Jose LeClerc opens the year as the closer. Does do you think he holds on to it to the whole year? And if he doesn't, is Kirby Yates the first to take over? Yeah, I yeah, I mean Leclerc's always been uh, hit or miss and streaky. Uh, I do think, and we Yates is kind of filling that Will Smith veteran, you know, veteran closer hole that the the Rangers you know had with Will Smith leaving. Um, I, I just don't know. Yates was good last year, and it was definitely a better season than I expected from him. But you know, a fourteen point six percent walk rate is, um, you know, not great. Gave up a ton of hard contact. He's still striking out guys, missing a ton of bats. That's great, but um, it's it's not really someone I have. I would have a ton of trust in in, in the ninth inning. But he's certainly. A Decent fallback option, but probably the best one they have right now on their roster. If they're, if, unless the, you know, depending on you know Josh Bores, I guess. But this this bullpen really still needs that. They need they need someone else. They need at least one more guy because it's if they're looking to repeat, they can't. This back half of this bullpen is not looking too great. Um, 
<laughs> they could really use either. It doesn't have to be hate or just like, you know, Jordan Hicks, maybe. I don't know. Some some sort of Robert Stevenson, like you said, that makes a ton of sense. Um, that They need someone else there. All right. Well, after all that uncertainty with all those previous moves where we don't even know if these guys are going to be getting holds, we can move on to a guy that is assuredly going to be getting saves. And that's Craig Kimbrell, who signed with the Orioles for one year, $10 million, likely the biggest, most fantasy impactful move we've seen thus far in terms of relievers. Craig Kimbrell had a bounce back year last year with the Phillies and then sort of struggled down the stretch as he dealt with the largest workload he's had in a long time, maybe in the entirety of his career, and then even had to come back and pitch in the playoffs where he was pretty untrustworthy. Yes. But yeah, he's he's older. He's in his mid-30s. He's thrown a lot of innings in his career. He threw a lot of innings last year. So you can't really blame him, especially for a guy that relies so heavily on his mechanics being perfect to produce great results. And when you get tired, you know, you can sort of get out of your mechanics. So I, I think him... Pitching in Baltimore, where they have other options, not that the Phillies didn't, he he should be fine there. I, and I think it's a I think it's a great spot for him. And this is actually a, a guy I'm somewhat interested in because mm-hmm. there will likely be the opposite of what I deem the playoff tax. I wrote an article about that a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I think it was yeah, it was like December first. It came out um, outlining the guys that are likely to have the highest playoff tax in terms of their ADP being pumped up based off their performances in the playoffs the only reliever i put on there was jose leclerc that one seems to make a lot of sense where he was just used so much but i think kimbrell gets the opposite where he struggled and so his adp is likely to go down it's probably going to come back up now that he signed in a place where he's likely to be the top closer option but rick you called this one yeah this one i just always kind of seemed to make just it makes so so much much sense sense. yeah you you need a closer for a year of felix batista out um the options on the market were what Kimberl, maybe Araldus Chapman, David Robertson, those types. I mean, I think Kimberl's Kimberl's the best of Kimberl's obvious yeah, Kimberl he showed last year. He still has something left in the tank. And yeah, he just he was overworked by his standards. I mean, seventy one he made seventy one appearances last year. That's the second most in his career. The last time he made over seventy appearances was in two thousand eleven. Um so yeah. Yeah, did he pitch I, in the playoffs? Back then? Uh, no, I don't a, think so. 2011 uh, Braves? 2011 Braves? Uh, no, did not. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... um, Yeah, he just got worn down, especially at his age, 35. Yes. I mean, so as long as the Orioles, you know, can you know, are respectful of that and understand, like, they got to kind of monitor, you know, where he's at and, like, mm-hmm. keep him under 65 innings, keep him under 65 appearances, whatever. Um, he, he should be, yeah, he should be a good candidate for a team that's going to have a ton of save opportunities and, you know, probably looking to make the playoffs again next year. So yeah, I I like Kimbrough. His ADP moved up a little bit, but it's not, it's still kind of, it's very interesting. It's very, where was he on here? 130 set, 139. 139. That's still, you know, being what the, like, 20 something maybe the 20th closer off the board i mean going after alzalay and kenley jansen clay holmes i feel like that's about right um but yeah he's definitely if you miss out on the first you know 12 guys he's not the worst 
first closer to have, but he's definitely more ideal to to be your second closer, maybe third closer in uh in any sort of roto league. Where would you set the over under on saves for this next year? I think last year he was at give me a sec. He was at drum roll, please to get there you go. Twenty three saves. What well, where would you set it at? Like twenty five? So he had 23 last year, 22 the year before, and 24 the year before that. Um, 23? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, uh, no, I, I think if you're going 25 over under, I think I'd go, I might go over. Um, yeah, because he hasn't really been just the, the guy that's going to be the closer. And it thing, hasn't right. really been a situation where we really trusted him heading into a season or, or whatever team signed him, trusted him as the clear cut closer. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, Yenie Cano. I know they like him a lot. He had a great season, or at least the first, you know, two months of the season before being mm-hmm. very average. I, I don't know if he's really a big threat to to steal saves from him. So yeah, I think it's like Kimbrel. This his, his job as the closer, and that's where he thrives. You know, we that's always been his thing. It's mm-hmm. like when he you take him out of the closer role, put him into a setup role or middle relief. It's where he really struggles for whatever yeah. reason. Um. So yeah, I, I think there could be a there's a good season in here for for Kimbrel. So if he's currently going off the board as the twentieth closer, do you think he should be higher than that, like fifteen, or do you think that's that's the right spot? Because that those guys above him, I mean, I'd probably take him over Alzelay just in case, just until just until Hater at well, least. Jansen's nine. above him too. You'd take him above Jansen, right? Yeah, I think I. I um, what I think I would. I think I would. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you not? The strikeouts are like way bigger, and I feel like the saves totals are likely yeah. similar. I was going to say, Kimbrel just has a little bit more blow up volatility. I mean, risk, there's there's but, like maybe performance volatility, but Jansen's yeah. heart could just stop, well, and that, that's yeah. not even like a <laughs> that's a, that's an actual reference. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably I would probably push come to shove, take him over Jansen. Uh, Clay Holmes, I might take. Uh, that's, that's yeah, I feel like that's one. like right where he lands. Like because right, obviously yeah. Tanner Scott's your guy, so you would let Tanner yeah. Scott go off the board at I think that's sixteen. Um, and so then it's just like a tw- coin toss. I, I I don't know. I think I would take Clay Holmes over over Kimbrel, but yeah, I think I think right there that's like uh, eighteen. Yeah, that, that, sounds, that about sounds about right. right. Okay, yeah. so I'm glad we uh, we could agree on that as we usually do. Um, but yeah, we can move on to, uh, since we just mentioned the Yankees slightly, we can move on to them trading Michael King to the Padres. We can stay quick on this one. Do you think he remains in the rotation or do you think he returns to the bullpen? Yeah, he's he's gone. He's he's not he's not one of us anymore. He's he's not one of our <laughs> our guys. He's oh, that sucks. He's gonna be. I I, I like the um the potential. I mean, uh, this isn't Nick's podcast, but yeah, I'd, I'd be in on Michael King this year as a starter. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I don't think Nick agrees with you, but uh, at least he'll have a a good park to pitch in and uh, an right. opportunity to pitch. So that 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 should be fun to watch. Um, the last. The next few are like very minor signings and trades, so we can run through them pretty quickly. I'll name them all off in a row. The Dodgers traded Victor Gonzalez to the Yankees, so he'll be another left-handed option in that bullpen. The Royals signed Chris Stratton to a one-year $3.5 million deal. The Nationals signed Dylan Floro to a one-year $2.25 million deal. And the Royals also traded Taylor Clark to the Brewers 
I don't think any of these guys are going to be fantasy relevant, but I think if I were to choose one, it's probably Chris Stratton just because that Royals bullpen is terrible. Yeah, I, I think him and even to a slightly lesser degree, Floro, because the situations in those bullpens, they're, you know, I could see the closer role opening up in Washington as well as Kansas City. So, um, Stratton, I do like a little bit better though. So, yeah, I, I would, I would go with him as well. And then we'll move on to the A's signing Trevor Gott, which I think became official today. That's a one-year, $1.5 million deal. That one would likely not be notable if it was any other bullpen, but considering the A's are currently topped in the bullpen by Lucas Ursedge and maybe Danny Jimenez and maybe Zach Jackson, this bullpen is so bad and just full of just random names. Like They could sign anybody, and that guy would be in conversation to be the closer. Do you think Trevor Gott has a shot? He was a 4.19 ERA last year, 24% strikeout rate. I mean, he's just like a random nah. veteran dude, but wasn't he the closer for the Giants at some point? He was. He was, was so bad. bad. It was, he was, was like really the worst bad. closer ever. 10.03 ERA that year. <laughs> yeah. um, but last year he pitched for both the Mariners and the Mets and neither team really made him that good. But the uh, the FIP numbers are, are pretty interesting, but not the ex-FIP. So, I don't know. I feel like it'll come down to home runs or something. This one doesn't get me too excited. But just no. given the possibility that there are there's a shot at saves, because I don't know how much confidence you have in Danny Jimenez, but, Zach Jackson, or Lucas Ursage. If they don't give it to Miller, I want it to be Ursage. I, I, mm-hmm. I want to see what, you know, at least he throws hard and has some straight code upside. And sure. It's intriguing because he's kind of he's coming over from being a position player. So, yeah, it's a fun yeah, story. It's, it's yeah. If, if it's not Miller, it's I want it to be Ursig and Scott. I mean, one point five million. I don't, then he could maybe they do want him to close a little bit so they could trade him at the deadline. Get it could be their highest paid player. He, he probably. I mean, he might <laughs> let me be, check. Let me right? Check. I, uh, they're playing Aladimus Diaz eight million dollars. Oh wow, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's their highest paid player. Their second highest paid player. Uh, looks like Paul Blackburn is projected for 3.2 in ARB. Seth Brown's projected for 2.4 in ARB. Um, guaranteed 1.7 for Miguel Andujar. Um, the Jace Peterson trade, they're owed $2 million to the <laughs> Diamondbacks. So he, I think he's in the top five at 1.5. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> Your estimated payroll right now is $40 million. It's such a bad. I can't look at this. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited from, to go yeah. to their games. They're just gonna. Have, they should have free tickets. Honestly, at this, yeah, they did that once, and it was it was so cool. They, I mean, yeah, at this point, just like you're not gonna. They make more money, <laughs> right? Because yeah, everyone would go. It'd be a packed house, exactly. Yeah, concessions, man. Yeah. Uh huh. I I don't get why they do that. I feel like they should do that for like a month and just see, like, hmm, is this actually a viable thing to just like. Leave the right. doors open and just have everybody come in and buy ten dollar beers. Yeah, because that's that you're going to get more people spending money on beers than you would having like thirty people show up <laughs> to to a team that's going to be one of the worst baseball teams of all time. But yeah, mm. uh, Trevor got likely not to yeah. be a guy that becomes fantasy relevant. So we can move on to. I'm going to run through these really quick. Uh, the Royals traded Colin Snyder to the D-backs and the Braves traded Jackson Kowar to the Mariners in the Jared Kelnick trade. Um, Snyder's not too exciting, but Jackson Kowar is pretty exciting as a former top starting pitching prospect. He does have pretty decent stuff. And I think 
playing for a Mariners team that's really good at turning out really good relievers. I think uh, right. I think that's a guy that quietly comes out of nowhere and could be like uh, s- sort of not in the way that Matt Brash did, where he was like a like a clear top pitching prospect. And actually, you know what? That's a, yes, exactly how Matt Brash did. Whereas like his his stuff was clearly really good, but he was just unable to control it. That's exactly what happened with. Jackson Kowar. And so if he goes in that bullpen and actually gets a shot, I think he could rise up those ranks pretty quickly. Yeah. It's a fun spot for him. Uh, especially now I'm guessing they're going to br- pretty much commit to him being a reliever. Um, yeah. The three pitch decent, like three pretty good pitches that, you know, mm-hmm. at least coming out of the bullpen makes him very interesting, especially the Mariners have done a good job developing relievers. So, mm-hmm. Interesting fit there. I, I think Snyder is kind of he's not totally uh, uninteresting. I mean, he's another guy who throws like ninety seven with a pretty good slider. Um, Diamondbacks could definitely use help in the back part of that bullpen. So uh, interesting to see if he ends up sticking there for on opening day. Um, potentially, probably not a holds guy or anything, but you know, down the road, definitely a name to keep an eye on. I think. I'm going to make a really bold prediction right now. He is a four-seamer changeup slider guy. His four-seamer has a ton of horizontal run and not a lot of rise. I think they just turn it into a full-on sinker, and it pairs really well with his circle change. And it's sort of just like same movement, but different velocities, like 10-mile-per-hour difference. I think that would work really well, especially like if he's like like trying in with the sinker-slider combo as well. I think like the big change they make is just like maintain the velocity through a sinker instead, and then that just changes everything. Are you talking about Cower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean it, it is more. It is surprising that it, it comes out as a, yeah as a, as a four seamer because yeah the make him a sinker slider guy with, a little, with that change up. Yeah, I mean there's there's some definitely something there. Three pitch guy too. That's why they, they it's been so long. It's been you know, hard to kind of move him off being a starter because there are three pitches there that are intriguing. It's just, you know, uh, it's about time to, to, to make a change there. And yeah, the bullpen is where, where he belongs now, I guess. <laughs> yes. Um, and we've got two more signings, but we're getting pretty late. So we're going to take our second break. When we get back, we'll talk about Will Smith and Andrew Chafin. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham. Talking about relievers, we are wrapping up our transactions from the past few weeks. Will Smith and Andrew Chafin are likely the last couple of ones that will actually have some type of fantasy impact. Most likely as holds guys, but there is the possibility that either one of these guys could be getting saves at some point. Will Smith likely to be the better option over Andrew Chafin just because of the fact that he's gotten more saves in his career. And he's the guy that's uh, won the World Series on three different teams the past three years. So congratulations to the Royals on winning the 2024 World Series. But Will Smith, the best veteran option here behind a couple other guys in, in like James MacArthur, John McMillan, Nick Anderson, and I guess Chris Stratton and Carlos Hernandez. You've got a lot of high upside guys, but Will Smith might be the top guy. I think the only thing holding him back is he's the only projected left-handed reliever in this bullpen. Do you think he opens the year as the closer? I do think he does um you're right he is the only lefty there that is that is kind of the one thing but i don't i don't think that's gonna be i i think the the uh veteran you know 
the experience here wins mm-hmm. out for for them. I, I think that's why they went out and got him uh, and Stratton. They went in and, and Nicky Anderson. You know, trying to add a little bit of you know veteran veteran juice to this very inexperienced bullpen. And Smith, you know, he struggled in the second half of last season, mm-hmm. but he, he still showed he he's got something left there and. Um, I think he opens the year as the closer. Does he end the year as the closer? Probably not. Probably either falls out of favor or probably gets traded if he pitches well. So yeah, uh, McMillan's McMillan's a really interesting guy there. As is MacArthur. Uh, McMillan definitely has better stuff though. Um, and yeah, what happens? Maybe Nick Anderson finally bounces back, and mm-hmm. you know who who knows if he can stay healthy. Anderson was pitching well last year before he got hurt, so. Uh, different look bullpen for them after all their moves, but uh, it's it's a little bit better for sure. I don't I don't know if it's a ton better, but it's definitely a little bit better than what they had last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really easy to forget how impactful Will Smith was last year. He had 17 saves through yeah. July while pitching to a 2.84 ERA, so he was actually like owned in basically every competitive league. So it's not like he's done yet even entering his age 34 season i don't think he's done he, he's been uh he's been a closer multiple times and so on a team like this without many or any veteran options that you can really trust as a closer i think will smith opens the year there and we'll, we'll see how long that lasts and lastly same division andrew chafin joins the tigers rejoins the tigers he was there a couple of years ago one year 4.25 million with incentives he is likely not to open the ears of the closer, though he did get eight saves for the D-backs last year. They have Alex Lang there, who is nearly an all-star. They have Jason Foley, who was pretty solid as a ground ball guy. Um, but the rest of the bullpen is like not anybody that you get super excited about. Maybe Will Vest, maybe Tyler Holton again. But Andrew Chafin does have the possibility of being the number three guy in that bullpen and get you some holds. Yeah, it's a good uh good reunion. I like this I like this fit for him to get back there after struggling the second half of last season. Um but well, yeah, with Chafin, I mean it's a fun kind of a fun interesting bullpen um all around. I I think it's not it's definitely not going to be their weakest unit uh, for as the far that's, as far as the Tigers go. So um I don't think he gets Chafin. I don't think he's going to see any saves but yeah it'll be a solid holds guy probably uh behind foley and lang yep so those are all the big transactions from the past few weeks hopefully we'll have some bigger ones to talk about and not just basically craig kimbrell and and will smith possibly being closers but maybe we'll see josh Hader, robert stevenson or any of the other top relievers still left on the market the all mlb teams were announced the first team recipients were felix bautista and josh Hader. second team were devin williams and emmanuel classe uh that's fine with me i think classe only made it because he got a lot of saves he led baseball in saves but i think there were better options but i don't think there's really much reason to dwell on this since this is a lot writing on fan votes, 50% fan votes and 50% um, a panel of experts, but that's how mm-hmm. the all MLB, all MLB teams panned out. Um, and while we still have a little bit of time left, let's just run through the NFBC ADP since December 1st, which includes 36 drafts. Are these draft champions dra- drafts or just everything? There's only three draft champions. So this is okay. everything just to kind of get a mix of, I mean, sure. I threw this on here just because it's, you know, we're finally getting live drafts now that it's mm-hmm. December and just trying to get a little bit of a sneak peek at the into where the reliever market is. 
Yeah, no, and this definitely helped us discuss Craig Kimbrell and, and yeah. some of the guys that were going super late. So uh, it, it definitely worked well as we <laughs> mixed it in naturally. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll go through these, run, run through these. Looks like the top five right now is Devin Williams, Josh Hader, Emmanuel Classe, Camilo Duvall, and Yohan Duran. They're going inside the top 53 picks on average. Uh, do you have any problem with that? I, I feel like Duvall is going really high. Doval feels high in that, sure. Um, that was kind of my first instinct as well. But I do understand. I, I, I mean, again, like I, there's th- this whole early group. I, you know, the first top, the top 10 to 12, it's very interchangeable. So I, I understand why you would want Doval that early. But I, I feel, you know, the other, the others there, Duran, Hader, Williams, and even Class A, I understand why you're, you're going to take class A at, you know, in the top 50, it's, you're getting saves and you just, you're getting you know, saves. Just don't, you don't worry about the strikeouts or anything else. It's just give me the saves. Yeah. Uh, the next five from pick 60 through pick 82 is, uh, Rysel Iglesias, David Bednar, Alexis Diaz, Jordan Romano, Paul Seawald. That's, I, I think fine. I wouldn't take Alexis Diaz that high and I wouldn't take, Paul Seawald that high? I don't know. Maybe that's that's a little bit of playoff bias where it's just I, I saw things fall apart at the end. But uh, it, it does feel like Alexis Diaz, they're, they're not really discounting him for his struggles in the second half. And uh, Paul Seawald maybe just being the clear-cut closer there in Arizona despite some guys coming up from the back like Kevin Ginkle could take that role from him. I, I think the one that I have the most problem with is Alexis Diaz inside the top 70 picks is sort of crazy. So I like Iglesias here. Actually, yes. you know what? I mean, I don't know. This this whole group it's so early. Yeah, it's this, so early. This whole group and and even the next one is Ryan Presley, who's only two spots behind Seawall. Yeah. I, I, feel I like, like Ryan Presley where he's at. Yeah, that's a great spot. I, I think the rest of these guys though, I I'm I don't know. This is a group I kinda wanna miss on. I don't wanna I I'd, I'd either want to hit someone I would either want to get like Duran or before here or wait until the next group to get my first closer. I feel like, yeah, I, I think we saw this group last year and it really didn't have a lot of hits there. This was sort Bautista of where like Ryan, guy. yeah, yeah. This was sort of where like Ryan Helsley, Bautista right. were going. I think Bednar was right around there too, maybe a little bit after, but it's sort of just like the, the second tier of guys where they have a role, but they're not, like, I don't know, there's there's question marks all over. And it's like, you can sort of get the same upside and security if you just wait 30 or 40 more picks, which I, it always seems like the smart thing to do. But I think people get really worried about getting their closers. But yeah, this yeah. next group from pick 92 to uh, pick 112, Andres Munoz, Pete Fairbanks, Ryan Helsley, Evan Phillips, and yeah, Tanner Scott. I mean, this is obviously that my is, group. <laughs> that is the group. Right. I want Andres Munoz. Pete Fairbanks is our guy. Ryan yeah. Helsley, I think, is getting a big discount, even though he returned last year in September and was actually really good and was the closer. Right. Evan Phillips, currently the closer. And Tanner Scott's like your your big uh, sleeper guy that you you are probably going to get a lot of. Yeah, I ended up, I did a mock draft last night, actually, and I ended up waiting and I got back-to-back rounds. I ended up with Helsley and Scott later on in the draft, and I'm definitely happy with that. That's, that's kind of, um, <laughs> you know, I do like that the idea of getting two of these guys if you if you can be patient you can really 
you know, load up on offense and some and a couple starters, mm-hmm. and you know, then take whatever two of these of this tier is left. Falls after pick a hundred, right? Yeah. So yeah. even if you want to go a little bit, yeah, if you if you're picking like in the ninety range, yeah, I, I don't mind jumping up there and grabbing Munoz or, or Fairbanks or Elsley. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that this is definitely where I'm going to be shopping, and honestly, the, yeah. those I, I hate to say I hate to say shopping, and I hate to say prices like these are. <laughs> These aren't people, but uh, it, when, we're, when we're talking about fantasy, it sometimes it gets difficult to, to use terms other than that. But this is where I will be looking to grab one or two closers as well. For sure. Yeah. And then the, the next group, too, is an interesting. I, I yeah. think you, either the either the next group oh, or, it seems uh, so hit or miss. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll read them out for the, yeah. for the listeners. But it, this wraps up the top. 200 picks, but it only goes to 138. It's Clay Holmes, Kenley Jansen, Adbert Alzali, and Craig Kimbrell. Alzali is fine, but then you just have like Jansen and Kimbrell are sort of like the same dude. And right. then Clay Holmes is, uh, you just never know how the Yankees are going to use them. So there's lots of, lots more uncertainty here, but I, I don't know. There, it, there seems to be uncertainty and stability at the same time, which is weird to put those two words I'm, in the same sentence. I'm almost like, <laughs> I'm almost after we just talked about Kimbrel and broke it down with the Auras. I'm almost tempted to put Kimbrel at the back half of that group or that back back end of sure. that group we just had, like right after Tanner Scott, where yep. there's the upside for him is, I, I mean, in this group we just listed between Holmes, Jansen, Owsley, and Kimbrel. I mean, I think Kimbrel obviously has the higher, the highest upside of the group. So uh, that makes me a little bit more tempted to, to take a chance on him over Jansen or Owsley, who even if Owsley keeps the job, it's not like he, you know, strikeout rate wasn't great last year. He's, you know, the, he's going to have to do a lot to keep the, hold on to that job um, throughout the season. And then, yeah, Holmes is, I don't know. I don't know what Holmes is. He just like that, you know, 120, that makes sense. I probably won't get a ton of Clay Holmes this year, but it, it, he's just, it's nothing it's really special or exciting at this point. Again, it's it's mm-hmm. the stability, a little bit of a stability, but the stabilities aren't even that great because like you said, yeah, the Yankees can, you know, they can make a change there as well or use him in a different role. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it, I, I think Kimbrel is still the most interesting guy in this group. All right, and then we'll wrap up the top 250 picks in our discussion of the NFBC ADP since December 1st with Alex Lang going at pick 200, Jose Alvarado at 202, Robert Suarez at 203, Jose Leclerc at 210, Carlos Estevez at 212, Kyle Finnegan at 233, and the guy who opened the podcast mason miller at 233 as well if you were to take a flyer on one of these guys these are likely going to be third closer guys in 12 teamers that have a lot of pitcher slots or 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 15 team leagues this is likely going to be your your third closer who do you favor here this one's this one's super easy it's jose alvarado right i mean right um, that's who I ended up taking in my mock yesterday is the third uh-huh. guy. And like, if I ended up with like Helsley, Scott and Alvarado, I would, I'd definitely be happy with those three. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Um, it's, I think you're going to hit on, hit on at least two. Um, you're probably going to, one of them probably something happens, whatever that happens with closers though. In general, it's, uh, mm-hmm. what it is, but the, the upside between those three is just, it's just massive. Um, yeah. I it's think interesting the, that gap, though. I'm like, like 138 to 200. Yeah, yeah no, it, it makes a lot of sense, though. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a big drop-off in ability and in situation and, and maybe stability of role. Right. But, yeah, I mean, none of these guys get me too excited out of Jose Alvarado, and he's still got the 
couple of guys in his bullpen that are going to be pushing him and he's a lefty. Right. But yeah, I think in terms of skills, he stands out amongst these guys. And that's usually what you want to bet on when it comes to closers. You want to bet on skills because that's likely going to get you in the best situation. And if not, you're getting the best ratios and strikeouts. Mm-hmm. But I, I think after that, it's probably Alex Lang, just because he seems to yeah. be the guy that probably has the firmest hold on a roll and is not too bad. But from there, it's like there's so much, so many questions. Likely, I mean, we talked about Robert Suarez. He could lose the job to Yuki Matsui. The Rangers are likely to add somebody ahead of Jose Leclerc, and he's not a guy that's really been trustworthy as a closer over the past few years. Carlos Estevez fell off dramatically in the second half. Kyle Finnegan is like the second pitcher that behind Daniel Bard that we give uh, a lot of crap to. Uh, right. And then Mason Miller is, you know, open the podcast with them. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very unlikely to have this role. So it, it really comes down to who's going to get you upside. This is an upside slot in the draft, uh, you know, right. close to 250. I, yeah, I'm going Jose Alvarado and then likely Alex Lang. And then from there, I, I don't even know if I want any of the other guys. No, I, I think Miller, maybe just because there is upside there. Miller would be my third option. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I would go Alvarado, Lang, then Miller. Um, one we thing I did. Be, go ahead. Uh, no, was, no, what are you going to say? Because I was going to say we we should be getting more guys in this tier as like closer situations get ironed out in spring Matsui training. Matsui probably will be up here. Yeah, Matsui will be up there. Robert Stevenson once he signs, um, yeah. Will Smith should probably start climbing up. Depending on where Jordan Hicks goes, he could climb up. Um, and then just d- depending on how roles figure themselves out. I think Hunter Harvey could surpass Kyle Finnegan. And uh, uh, there, are, there are even other guys. I think Gregory so, Santos. Yeah, that's who, the who that, you have, that, yeah. That's what I was just gonna. That's what I was gonna bring up. Is did you see where Santos is on this? They don't list? even have. They don't even have a White Sox guy in the top four hundred, five, five, six hundred picks. They he's don't even down have here. Anybody on the White Sox is just like yeah. He, uh, he's he's not gonna get some saves. He's down here after Bruce Dargradderall, Kevin Ginkle, AJ Puck, uh, and it's Gregory uh-huh. Santos down here. So I, I yeah. think that's. Shocking. I think it's his high. His his high pick is two twenty six. Mm-hmm. Um. I, so I I would. I mean, I would put him. Maybe he might be the fourth out of that list of group guys we just had. I think Santos might be the fourth guy I would uh, mm-hmm. consider after Miller. So it's interesting seeing him go be this low. I think it's just because I probably didn't get drafted in a few leagues. But um. Yeah. Definitely someone that seems to be getting slept on a little bit as well. As long as he's healthy and mm-hmm. the White Sox don't add anyone, he, he, he's a good sleeper pick. Yeah, and I mean, there could be even some other random guys. You mentioned Lucas Urseg Ur- in mm-hmm. Oakland, where it's like, if he looks like he's going to be the closer in spring training, he's going to jump way up. Like, we saw Trevor May go pretty late, but not post-700. Right. And even some veteran guys, like if Hector Neris ends up in a situation where he can be a closer, same with David Robertson, it, it'll be really, really interesting to see how things shake up. But there are definitely, like right now, if you're drafting super early, you could definitely take some flyers with the last pick of your draft and get a guy that's a closer throughout the entirety of the year, which is which is pretty crazy to say. But uh, yeah, I think Gregory Santos is <laughs> like, I, I don't know, that, that's, that's pretty crazy that he's going that far out. Like... Justin Lawrence, <laughs> the Rockies, right. is ahead of him. Worst pitcher and on the Rockies. Lawrence, James MacArthur. I understand. Like, I, I get MacArthur was potentially going to be the Royals closer, mm-hmm. but isn't Santos like a better yeah, option uh, than MacArthur, even if like, either one is? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting for sure. I, it's got to be because a couple leagues just didn't end up drafting him, which is, mm-hmm. yeah. Really weird. I, I drafted him in our 12-team mock draft, so... uh 
<laughs> he should be a guy that gets drafted uh, when, once we get into quote-unquote draft season in February and March. Right. But that's a, that's a pretty, honestly, thorough rundown of the NFPC ADP. We also went through basically every single relief pitcher transaction that is likely to have somewhat of an impact. If not, we at least mentioned their names. And uh, we, we talked a little bit about our guys, uh, Mason Miller and Yuki Matsui, as well as where Josh Hader might end up. But that's going to wrap up this episode of In the Pen. Rick, tell the listeners where you can be reached on Twitter. I still refuse to call it X. And what work you have coming out soon. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. I have nothing in particular um, coming out in the near future. Just monitoring moves, getting ready to, um, you know, update the lists and, you know, update depth, char- depth charts and all that. So we're just, you know, waiting on some more shoes to drop here um, before anything's really actionable outside of the, we've got a bunch of small moves but yeah once hater yeah. and hicks and stevenson sign then we can yeah really start looking forward to next year's depth charts and whatnot yeah hopefully that's in january not in in february or march right. but uh you can follow me on twitter at jake crumpler you can follow the pod at in the pen pod I am likely to have an article coming out in the next week or two as I'm just pushing through things here in December. Um, but definitely go check out the website. We just hired like 25 new writers. So we'll have tons of content coming out throughout the off season to help you win your fantasy baseball leagues. And the website is on a new server. So it runs super fast, super great. Um, and it's one of the best fantasy web baseball websites, if not the best baseball website on the whole internet, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode of in the pen. We'll talk to you guys next week.